Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We're your host, Tim and Julie Harris, broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, let's not waste a lot of time. Let's just jump right back in where we left off yesterday. I know we have 10 points to finish this series. I really enjoy and appreciate the feedback that we've been hearing from a lot of you guys. Um, and, you know, it's, I sometimes forget that brokers and office managers use our radio show as training material. And that's, a, you know, frankly, it's a great idea. If I were still a broker or an office manager, I'd be doing the same thing. Because it gives you guys kind of uh, permission to blame Tim and Julie for maybe telling your agents things that maybe you don't necessarily want to have to say. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, give us the water to carry for you and we'll happily do it. So we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. But before we do, um, Julie, you have a shout out, an email, a someone to yes. recognize, I believe. Yes. Absolutely. Eve Arena, who emails me and you. Hi, Julie and Tim. I just passed my real estate exam, and I'm so excited to get started. I just signed up for Real Estate Coaching Essentials yesterday. I'm planning on joining Julie's call on Thursday. I'm wondering if you can give me some advice on finding a sponsoring broker or if I should wait for Julie's Thursday call. Well, that has spawned uh, my thought process to create a whole podcast, not just for Eve, but thank you for reminding me of that, of uh, Eve, and congratulations on passing your test. We have a lot of new or newer agents that join us. Um, I'm going to make a podcast just about how to choose the right broker because it's not just for new agents, by the way. Sometimes the broker you chose 5, 10, 15 years ago when you got your license like Eve might not still be the best choice for you. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. So we're going to take a look at what makes a great brokerage choice for you personally and give you some good questions to be asking and how do you run that through the filter. So stay tuned for a future podcast about how to know if you're already at the right brokerage and also for new or newer agents, how to choose the right brokerage in the first place for where you're at right now. So thank you for reminding me that, Eve, and congratulations. So yeah, she's for taking a, a great step at not waiting to get involved with coaching. But back to you, Tim. Foreshadowing hint for all of you guys who are going to be listening to that series, and I think we're going to do that next week. The thing that matters the least in your brokerage is the commission split. And I know that will stun many of you because you think that's, that's the most important thing. Yes, it's counterintuitive. But the reality of it is, is that you could have the best commission split in the world and be at the worst brokerage ever. So it's a balance. It's not just one thing. So we're going to be covering all those points for you guys. Uh, starting next week. Um, so, Julie, um, we are picking up where we left off yesterday at point number Ten. 10. Okay, so if you guys have not listened to the two previous shows, uh, it's a very simple concept. These are the types of things, what we're sharing with you. We've shared with you 10, more, 10 points previously, but these are the types of things you guys will not read most likely anywhere. You guys will not come across in a motivational video. You will not hear from a guru. You'll not hear anywhere because all these things are – Frankly, the types of little pearls of wisdom that Julie and I have learned either the hard way or we've learned in confidence from other people who are much more successful than us. And what I found almost you know, every single time was what I thought was wrong about what it took to accumulate wealth, what I thought was wrong about what it took to build legacy wealth. Now, maybe some of, those, some of you guys listening have no interest in that, and I get it. It's fine. 
but it still applies even if you're trying to get to the point where you have some financial balance in your life or you're trying to pay your house off or you're trying to get to the point where maybe you can actually have a time in your life where you don't have to worry about money all the time or you're trying to bridge the gap between your egregious full-time job to being a self-employed agent. These things all still apply. Um, please take these things seriously. Julie and I spent a lot of time working through these points. And the warning I give all of you is the same one I did in the two previous shows, is if any of these points offend you, good. You need to be offended probably. So write down why, what it is, it, it is about the particular point that offended you, and then do some introspection about it. So many of us, your coaches are not excluded. So many of us are basically wired with software, pre preloaded with software that we come from how we are raised or from our church or from our schooling or our education, from our families, from our, all the people that basically gave us what they thought was well-intended advice as we were growing up. But it turns out the advice isn't really applicable in the 21st century or isn't applicable for the person that you want to be. Does that make sense, guys? So the only way for you to have new thoughts, especially when it comes to money and wealth, is oftentimes to get rid of the old ones that are no longer serving you. How do you know if the thoughts are serving you? You're just going to have to basically take each of these points and you're going to have to ask yourself, am I in alignment with that or am I in conflict with it? If I'm in conflict with it, why? What is that? How, where's the conflict coming in? And more importantly, if you're already in alignment with it, you need to ask yourself, what am I doing to manifest what comes as a result of that point? Am, are you just agreeing just to agree? That's the easy thing to do. That's the lazy thing to do. Are you agreeing? Are you thinking about it? And are, then are you asking yourself, am I actually applying it? Does that make sense, Julie? Yeah, absolutely. To not just say, hey, that was a great podcast. Thanks for uh, delivering that for us. But to actually apply it and monetize it and do something about it. So absolutely. So let's jump back in. Point number 10, being successful at this is easier than you think when you use core principles a strong moral foundation, and a simple mindset of service. Removing your ego and not making it about you all the time is a core breakthrough which will create better relationships, smoother transactions, and a far less stress to you and your clients. So let's sit with that thought for a second. Being successful is easier when you make it all about everybody else. Stick to your core principles, moral foundation, mindset of service. It's so much easier. You know, I've had so many coaching clients and coaches tell us about their coaching calls where they really get this point and how much easier and more simple and stress-free the business is when you're not thinking about you all the time. The money will follow, I promise you. Being successful is easier when you use your core principles, not harder. What if you point don't have any core principles if you don't know what they are, Julie? <laughs> well, that would be one reason to get involved in coaching so we can sprinkle them upon you. But I think most people... I hope most people have a good core foundation. And if you feel like you don't, then that's a good time to reach out to us so that we can help you with that. And I realize not everybody grew up with that or had a good church upbringing or a family situation where that's innate. That's okay. That's why we have coaching. So that doesn't mean that all is lost. It just means that we need to talk about that and instill some of those things. And the first step to take is to simply Make it all about your clients, your prospect, and being of service. That's so what it. I'm hearing you, but what I'm hearing you say is if you don't necessarily have the software loaded into your mind that make up your, you know, your core principles, as you say, you can adopt that from other people. You can basically oh, find yeah. people that you admire. You, maybe it's through books. Maybe it's you, know, you can read Bible passages, those types of things, and then adopt those qualities 
that you like and make them part of you. Rewrite yourself. Design like Julie and I were from Ohio originally, and we've lived in different states, and now we live in Texas. I love Texas. So does Julie. And you know what? Texas people, and look, I know you guys outside of Texas don't like to hear Texas people talking about Texas, but everything you've heard is true. And Texas people, for the most part, do operate with a, by a very clear set of values and how they go about treating each other. Well, yeah. we have lots of funny stories about that. But the first thing that I think that we – one of the first things that I know I noticed when, you know, our house needed some work that we bought when we moved here. And, you know, like people show up on time, like really oh, yeah. on time. They call to confirm. They show up five minutes early. They don't park in your driveway. You yeah. know, like normal uh, – well, normal if you're from the Midwest maybe. But, um, you know, polite manners and that kind of thing. Um Gosh, what else? That you know, they do what they say they're going to do. They follow through. It's it's just one of those things that's kind of expected. Even driving on the freeway is different. You and I just had a, a yeah. uh, trip out west, and we noticed the difference. You know, people will move over. They'll let you pass. They don't in cut Texas. you off as much in Texas, yeah. right? In Texas. Um, and oh, here's my since we're coming into the holiday season. Uh, the first year we lived here, I was asking the neighbors, so like, what night is trick or treat night? And they didn't even <laughs> understand the question. Uh, yeah. Well, what do you mean? Well, because other places we've lived, you know, it depends on what day of the week the holiday falls on and what the school schedule is and blah, blah, blah. They're like, well, if Halloween is on the 31st, we're trick-or-treating on the 31st. Like, exactly. what kind of question is that? <laughs> you idiot. You're not from around here, are you? <laughs> but really you know, funny. it's funny. Julie, it's funny you said the thing about the traffic, and it's so true. Mm-hmm. And then, guys, we're not going to talk about Texas anymore. But, you know, you put on your turn signal even on the freeway here. People will slow down and let you over. You know, it's just it's complete. Yeah. So, the, you know what? We've adopted some of those things. We've actually, you know, you and Julie and I have uh, adopted some Texas in us, and it's made us, you know, you guys can do the same thing. You know, you don't have to just be the person that you are. You can improve that person no matter where you are at ever at any point in your life, at Adopt any age in your life. Best practices. That yep. means, you know, on Modeling. many levels, different things. Yeah. Yep. And even Napoleon Hill, you know, in Think and Grow Rich, he talks about mastermind doesn't have to be the person sitting in your office next to you. He talks a lot in that book about your mastermind can be historical figures who you yep. studied and biographies where you say, you know what, what would that person do? What would Thomas Edison say about this? How mm-hmm. would he deal with that? So, you know, this is all a bigger mindset conversation. Well, but let's but get back it. to our points. Yeah, we'll get, but just you just actually touched on something, so I can't miss this opportunity. Guys, when you complete that form, which takes two seconds, name, email, address, phone number, one of the books we give you is that book Julie's referring to. It's Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, but it's Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. So what Julie and I did is we took the book, and basically we added content that's relevant to real estate. You guys will love it. Again, a book's for sale on Amazon. If you want to spend 20 bucks and get it, go for it. But you don't have to. Just fill out that form, and that's one of the six books we give you for free just by filling out the form. Next point, my dear. Yes, next point is number 11. Your brokerage must be ideally supportive of your philosophy of success, or at least neutral about it. Remove yourself from any negative environment. If you're feeling negativity, so will your clients. So simple point here, your brokerage must be ideally supportive of your philosophy, if not at least neutral, but not negative. Point number 12, take care to put your own oxygen mask on first. Control your mind, your body, and your wallet before worrying about anything else. Daily affirmations, daily financial check-ins, and regular exercise are the magic elixir to maintain a base level of personal harmony. If those three things are out of alignment, correct those before moving on. So again, your daily affirmations, daily financial check-ins, and regular exercise. Our long-term coaching clients know that that's what keeps them on track no matter what else is happening. 
point control number your mind, your body, and your wallet. If you guys have those right. things in check, then everything else aligns behind those three things. Um, and the oxygen mask on first, what Julia's referencing, is that when you're sitting on a plane, you're getting ready to take off, what do they always tell you to do? In the event that uh, cabin depressurization, which I don't even know what the hell that means, by the way. I don't want to know. So in the event that were to happen, you're supposed to put your mask on before the mask of the person next to you. But how many of us have been raised to believe that we're supposed to essentially put the mask on the person next to us before we put on our own mask? All of us have, especially when you have kids, right? So the thought for all of you is that always put your mask on first. And that mask is not meaning – putting that on first does not mean that you're selfish – does not mean that you're an evil bastard. It means that basically you are taking care of yourself first so that you can then take care of others. That's how it works. Don't forget that, guys. Some of you guys are, you know, frankly, not taking care of your families financially, and you're maybe spending too much money on things that, and you know, are outside of the family, and you don't have your savings, and you don't have your other things squared away. you got to really think about that, guys, and you got to get that back in alignment. You know, you have to put your mask on first, and then... Obviously, you can then help other people. Next point, Julie. Next point is number 13, keep yourself on the front lines. Remember, these are things that we wish people would have told us earlier. Keep yourself on the front line. Improve your skills constantly. If you're not, someone else is, and it's best not to wait until you find out the hard way. Accept the fact that there is no ultimate knowledge or perfection in this endeavor. As soon as you think you know it all or you've seen it all, look out. That's the early warning sign of complacency. I remember that happened to me in real estate. Oh, I've spent so many transactions. I know everything about everything. Then I had a transaction where the seller took out their wall-to-wall carpeting before closing. Like, who does that? I hadn't seen that before. So I have a great quote. You have to learn the rules of the game, and then you have to play better than everyone else. That's Albert Einstein. Okay. So well, Hold on. Hold on, yeah. Julie. Don't bounce off that one. Cause one sure. of the big um, – point number 13, this is for those of you guys who are forming teams – those of you guys who are forming teams you know, full of agents or those of you guys who run brokerages, one of the worst mistakes you can make is basically taking yourself out of the front lines by not knowing what's going on with the, and with the actual working with the buyers and sellers. A lot of you guys are delusional thinking that I'm going to form – this is for realtors, right, or even for brokers, but realtors especially. I'm going to go, and I'm going to form a real estate team, and I'm not going to have to work with buyers or sellers anymore, and I'm just going to have this army of people that are running around doing the heavy lifting for me all day. That is the myth. But the reality of it is is if you're going to do it successfully and you're going to actually make a profit from it, you're going to have to keep yourself on the front lines. Now, your time might not be spent – as much time might not be spent with the buyers or the sellers, but that same amount of time, if not significantly more, is usually going to be spent basically growing and maturing the team members who are then supposed to be doing the work with the folks. And that's the reason that we suggest in many cases that many of you will be far, far better off financially if you don't form a team, if you just have you and maybe a small core group of people around you, assistance to help you become a better, powerful listing agent. That's the reason that we are the only ones in the industry that are not necessarily believing that that team model is the best path for all of you to follow because it's just not. Go back and listen to past radio shows on that. Decide what your priorities are. If your priority is wealth building and wealth accumulation, that's a serious conversation that we maybe need to be having with you in sometime in the future as to whether or not you really truly do want to form a team. The economy gets tough, which inevitably it's going to. Those of you guys with lots of overhead, lots of staff, 
lots of everything, you're going to be stuck in a situation where you're going to have to fire people really quick, and then you're going to maybe go back and listen to this and take it seriously. If what I just said rubs you the wrong way, good, internalize it, and ask why it's something that's threatening your paradigm, and maybe you need to make a shift. Next point, Julie. Point number 14, knowing your numbers is not just a sign of business maturity, it's a requirement of success. Knowing your numbers will cause you to take action faster, with more skill, and in a more deliberate way. This is something that in Coaching Essentials, as well as our one-on-one coaching, we are relentless about making sure you know your numbers. Not knowing your numbers is the stuff of a hobbyist, hack agents. You should always know your vital signs. Total income and units year-to-date, total value of pending transactions, active listings, active buyers, and of your pipeline. Without knowing this, it's impossible to even know if you're on track, if you're ahead, or you're behind. So knowing your numbers isn't just a sign of business maturity. It is a requirement of success. There, I guarantee you there are no successful businesses where you call them and say, hey, so what's your numbers? And they're like, well, I don't know. My broker keeps track of that. No, you've got to know where you stand. Otherwise, how are you going to plan? How do you know what to do every day if you don't know if you're ahead, behind, or on track? It just makes sense. So we are quite relentless as a company about this, as you know. We are, but let's hover there, okay? Why do you think agents, even successful agents, or at least outwardly successful agents, uh, don't track their numbers? Why do you think it's something that they try to – I mean, they won't say it like this, but they try to hide from. Well, and and worse than that, if you go to any real estate convention, people always say, well, I'm projecting to or I'm on track why? for, An- which is question, like a though. hope. I, I think that if you, when you really, really know your numbers, oftentimes it causes you to have to come to terms with the fact that perhaps maybe you don't have enough leads to accomplish your goals. Maybe you have so many leads that your time management is a disaster. It just highlights the fact and it makes you have to deal with things and take action and be accountable versus kind of winging it and not having to be accountable, not really. I mean, isn't that why most agents got into the business so they wouldn't have to answer to anybody, even themselves? It also goes to the previous points, though, right, about financial literacy, financial education, but your mindset, whether you're actually in alignment or conflict, uh, in in conflict with the idea of accumulation. You see, guys, that's the interesting thing part. If you don't know your numbers – that's just malpractice in essence, okay? I agree with if, that completely. Yeah. If you don't know how much money you've actually made so far this year, how many of those were listers and buyers, how many, you know, all that stuff, how much money you've saved, whether the basic stuff that any business owner should know. And guys, it's all part of the real estate treasure map. It's one of the books we give you free simply by filling out that form. But if you guys don't have all that stuff at, at your fingertips, and the easiest way to do it, <laughs> which we suggest everyone do the easiest way almost always is a dry erase board. Just keep all that stuff right in front of you at all times. Again, Real Estate Treasure Map lays out how to exactly organize your dry erase boards. When you do it that way, what you're going to find is that you will always know where you're at. And here to answer my own question, why do people hide from their numbers? It's what Julie said. It's accountability because they don't want the light being shown on essentially the fact that they're not running a very profitable business or they're, you know, all those other types of things. Money for many people, again, present company included, does sometimes evoke some negative emotions because that's how we were raised. 99% of us on this call were not raised to ever talk about money. Money is not funny, guys. I mean, people nowadays will talk about the most disgusting health problem, <laughs> but they won't that's talk about money. But yeah. isn't that funny? I mean, that's just so hilarious. Well, you can be at a dinner party, you know, sitting around having your Peach cobbler, you know, this is Texas, right? So people have peach cobbler. And then someone will start talking about their ingrown toenail and their nasty. I mean, what the hell? 
But nobody's going to talk. Oh, no, you don't talk about money. Talking about money is rude. What? (laughs) You know who talks about money, guys? You guys know this already, don't you? The people that talk about money are the people that have the money, that have had the money for generations, because they know that it's a conversation that needs to happen so that they can keep it and continue to build it. The rest of us are just basically, you know, we never accumulate anything because we're too busy talking about the wrong thing over desserts at dinner parties. Guys, just internalize this. Have some fun with it. And, yeah, I'm not talking about showing up the next dinner party and start talking about your real estate treasure map and your business plan with everyone. But just sort of look around and just notice the fact that there probably aren't a lot of people around you that do have financial literacy of any variety. You know, your accountant probably, your attorney probably, you know, maybe your accountant and your attorney, who knows. But you probably don't know anybody. That's the reality of it. We didn't. We had to seek those people out. Some of them sought us out. We had to read. We had to study it. We had to research the crap out of it. Everyone we thought would know about it knew nothing or what they knew wasn't going to get us to where we wanted to go. So that's the way it goes. Next point, Julie. Next point is number 15. Work when you're at work. Play when you're at play. Be able to switch channels and stop thinking that multitasking is a legitimate strategy. Most 40-hour-per-week salaried people only really do maybe eight hours or so of real work. The rest of the time, they're just goofing off in some way. So being great in real estate doesn't even require 40 hours, but it does require your focused, real energy, your effort, and your skill. Use those skills in a focused way, and you'll find you have more time, not less. had a great conversation with one of what has to be the country's best buyer agents in the country, Emily Trust, out in uh, Palm Desert. And we were talking about the advantages it takes when she just negotiates at a, a tiny higher higher level where she doesn't go back and forth maybe three or four times. Maybe it's just one counteroffer. If she does that at her volume of transactions, how much time she's going to get back by using great scripts and stopping people from lowballing and stuff like that. And what I said to her was, you know, of the time that you get back because you're not having to do the knockdown drag out all the time, let's say over the course of the year that buys you back at least days, if not weeks of time, you don't have to fill that with busy work. You can just go coach your soccer game. She's got an eight-year-old daughter that she's a soccer coach, uh, that Emily's a soccer coach. So real estate's great at filling in those, you know, quote, extra time that you find yourself with. But realize that when you're at work, if you're working when you're at work, you don't have to spend every waking hour on this business. You actually can spend a lot less more efficiently and either and make the same money, if not more, by being more efficient. But so learn to work when you're at work and play when you're playing. But that's, so that's, the, but that's the essence of, uh, you know, we have an opportunity here, practical and tactical, right? So, yeah. okay, work when you're at work, play when you're at play. Okay, that sounds like a great concept. Everyone can get an alignment behind that. But then here's the problem. Uh, long-time listeners, you guys know where I'm going with this. What are they supposed to do when they're at work? You know, what are you, what are you supposed to be focusing on? What are, you not, what are you frankly just supposed to purge from your life that you might consider work now? You know, these are the types of things like, for example, the real estate treasure map. That's going to help you drill down on that. It's not complicated, guys. It, at the end of the day, it, it's a member, guys, previous point, it's about the small daily base hits. It's not about having to step up to the plate every day and hit a home run. Nobody can do that. I mean, it's impossible to do that. Just focus on the small daily base hits. Maybe some days you get a, you know, you get on base. Maybe some days you go back in the dugout, but you at least were up there every single day and you were actually in the game. That is the first mental mindset shift that a lot of you guys need to be taking. And don't expect passion to show up 
uh, maybe it shows up occasionally, but it's going to be rare that it shows up in terms of your work day. And then what you're supposed to be doing every single day, that comes down to a, a relatively regimented schedule. But guys, don't try to schedule. Don't go from cold turkey. Some of you guys, you make the mistake of saying, all right, Tim, Julie, I'm all in. I'm a coaching client. I signed up. I've gotten your guys' treasure map. I've gotten the schedule locked in. I printed the schedule on my wall. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do it every single day. But you've been without a schedule for five years, and it's going to be harder than you think. So what we suggest is you start out one day of the week, probably Wednesday, maybe Monday, and you have a schedule maybe three or four hours. That's it. Until you've mastered that time block time, don't move on to trying to do more. It's going to be too much of a shock to your system. You know, you're going to have to train people around you that you're not, that you are on a schedule. I literally mean that. You're going to have to train your family members, your friends, your, if you're working out of an office, the people that are around you. They're used to you being a, you know, liberty gibbet, going wherever you want to go. And yeah, I can talk to Sarah anytime I want to, or I can, you know, go over and, you know, talk to Bob about sports scores. You're going to have to train your world as you train yourself that you are a disciplined, focused person who's sticking to a schedule. Maybe it's just for three or four hours on a Wednesday, and then you go to a Tuesday, and then a Wednesday, and a Thursday. What we found consistently with every top producer we've ever coached is if you can stick to a schedule four days of the week for just the morning, that's pretty much all you need to do to accomplish your biggest expectations and dreams in life. Isn't that cool? It's got to make a lot of you guys feel better. Then it's what you do with that time, your time allocation, that really makes the biggest difference. So that's, again, where the treasure map comes in, the coaching comes in. It's not that difficult, guys. Just follow in the footsteps of others. Julie, why don't we round the bend on today's show? I know we have five points left. We can pick up these points on uh, the next show. Um, And, yeah, any other closing thoughts? Yeah, take action on this stuff. Don't just, you know, I always tease them saying, don't just say, hey, that was a great podcast. Thanks. And then hang up and go do what you've always been doing, unless that's really, really working for you, in which case that's great. Instead, say, you know what? This point and that point, they really resonated with me. I'm going to really work on this and do something about it and maybe ask for some help via some real coaching. That's what the professional real estate practitioner who is moving forward towards their dreams and goals and ready to meet or exceed those things is really doing. It's all about putting one foot in front of the other. So when in doubt, you know, I forget who I'm quoting here, but... Uh, when you pray, move your feet. That's the thing here. You've got to actually take some action. And maybe that's not on every single point, but the ones that are most important to you, let's decide that right now, starting today, as soon as we're done with this podcast, you're going to do something about it. It is within your power. Let's make that homework, Jules. Okay, so here's your guys' homework. I want you, please, to send email to either Julie or myself, Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com, or Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. There's like 130,000 people that listen on a regular basis, so I know we're going to get a lot of emails. Email us what point resonated the most with you and what actions you're going to take. Don't just say, I love point number six. Say, I love point number six, and this is, what I'm, this is how I'm going to apply it. Guys, the application of what you learn makes it yours. Otherwise, like Julie said, you're just sitting there nodding your head, having your coffee or whatever you're doing right now. A lot of you guys listen to us while you're driving or exercising or whatever. What are you going to apply, and how are you going to do it? What point are you going to apply, and how are you going to do it? Email tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. In the meantime, guys, uh, we will talk with you on the radio tomorrow. Thanks. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. 
remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.